We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. Go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks. Hibbert denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, wow. Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! All right, we're here for day three, the final day of the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sticking with us. And if we have not gotten to your question yet, thank you for holding out till Wednesday. So, Fachi, how's it going, man? Hey, we deliver mail all day, all throughout the weekend. We are (laughs) never closed, so check your mailbox. Because we're answering everything. <laughs> yeah, and we we say this because we love interacting with all of our listeners and all of our fans of the show. We're not going to ignore any mailbag questions. So even if it's a silly one, even if we've already covered it from answering another question, we're going to make sure we answer that because I know when I send the mailbag questions, it means a lot to me the other podcasts I listen to for it to be read and to be answered. So I want to make sure nobody's left out. And if we do leave you out, hit us up and let us know so we can make sure we don't do that. But we got to get right into it, Fachi, here. So this comes from Richard Nyman at Rich3131 on Twitter. Uh, it says, Lance is on a third 10-day, last two games with ample opportunities. He failed to have an impact, six minutes versus L.A., 17 minutes versus Golden State, more turnovers than assist. Indy loves Lance, and Lance loves Indy. He had two great games, but he has done, but has he done enough to get a contract? Well, we already know that he's getting that contract. And then Richard goes on to say, given how valuable their roster spot could be in upcoming trades, with Indy looking uh, to young players and picks, Indy could be looking at trading out $18 million worth of guys, uh, Domas, Turner, Levert, all making around that amount of money, means a lot of two-for-one offers to match salaries. So, are you at all worried that maybe Lance doesn't get brought back after this contract because of the lopsided trades? 
I'm not, I'm not worried that he doesn't get brought back, but I don't think that it's a 100% lock. However, given in a year where things are not going right for the team, I feel like they're probably bring Lance back. Um, I do think that this could potentially, I don't want to say that they're going to make a trade just centered around Lance's contract is expiring soon, but uh, a deal could be coming up. I mean, his contract is going to expire roughly a week before the trade deadline. So maybe the Pacers do look to make a move beforehand. However, I do think he gets signed for the rest of the season. Yeah, you know, there's um, there's like a trade rumor that's been kind of floating around, like, you know, center around Karis LeVert going to Cleveland for Ricky Rubio's expiring in a draft pick or draft capital. Um, they didn't have any other players involved because the salaries are close. And so with Rubio being out for the rest of the year and being an unrestricted free agent after this season, the Pacers would easily just waive his contract and keep Lance, right? I mean, that's a way you can open up that roster spot. So, you know, Richard, I understand the frustration a little bit here with not knowing um, what the, the long-term future could be here for Lance, but we talked with Scott, Agnum, uh, Scott Agnes about it on our Tuesday podcast, and he said it doesn't really seem like there's really clarity on if he comes back for the 2022-2023 season. So, um, but definitely we'll get to experience Lance for the rest of this season, I would assume, in a, in a year we probably missed the playoffs. So, Moving on to our next question here from Pacer Faithful. This is a definitely interesting question, Fachi. It's a hypothetical. You're given a trade offer and you have to choose door one or door two. Both net the same return. Door one, trade Sabonis and keep Duarte and Jackson. Door two, trade Turner, Duarte and Jackson, but keep Sabonis. Which do you choose? That's tough. I feel like I'm about to enter the matrix right now, honestly. <laughs> But look, uh, if I'm trading Sabonis, I better be getting like young players and, and a bunch of picks or an all-star and a promising player and a pick. Like at that point, I don't know if a trade like that is available, but keeping Isaiah and Duarte, it's essential. So if I'm trading them with Turner, I mean, you got to imagine that we're hitting on an absolute home run deal. So I, I, I that's really tough. Like, look. <laughs> I like me some Sabonis, but at the end of the day, I, I want to do what's best for the team. So, yeah. Well, here's, here's the thing. Like, you know, you're, you brought up a great point. Like, hey, if we're trading Sabonis and getting the same return by keeping Duarte and Jackson, they didn't mention Turner in that. Are we keeping Turner too or not? Is Turner out the door as well? That's what I'm curious about with this hypothetical. But um, since Turner's not mentioned, I'm just going to assume he's kept. But I do like what you said. Like, if you're getting back the same return for either trade, that means you're getting back a star. So would you rather have an all-star and Sabonis on your roster with another all-star level, all-star level player where you have two all-stars on your team now, or would you rather, um, you know, hope that that Turner can continue to grow as a player and Duarte and Jackson can make leaps and bounds and, and do that. I mean, obviously here, I think that the, it's gotta be door number two or door number one, excuse me, you trade Sabonis and keep Duarte and Jackson just because of the length of their contracts and, and, and their the, the cost of their contracts. But, um, yeah, I do think losing Sabonis would be a bummer for both of us because I think he's easily uh, our, one of our top players that we like watching in, in terms of being a fan of. Absolutely. I mean, look, you said Sabonis off this team. I mean, it, it's going to get ugly. I know we're keeping games tough and we're keeping them close, but you trade Sabonis over there, they ain't going to be tough and they ain't going to be close. 
Yeah, you mean you mean Troy Murphy part two? That I, that's what I see sometimes. Or yeah. or oh, he's just David Lee. Okay, come on. What a stop. ridiculous comparison. I know. I mean, truly, it, people that hate Sabonis just make the dumbest stuff. They make the, they make up stuff to make their narrative fit. So if you're a Sabonis hater, um, sorry, but you know I did get called out this weekend for being a you know a biased podcast you know person because I don't talk enough about trading Sabonis. But it's just like. Look, I'm not going to waste my time talking about trading Simonis if I don't think he's going to get traded. Sorry. Exactly. If you think I'm being biased, I'm just I'm just giving you guys the content that I think is based off what's going to be happening, based off reports, based off people I've talked to behind the scenes. Um, it seems like a no-brainer. Turner's one gone over Simonis. So if you're mad about that, um, sorry, to, sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not going to sit here and waste my time every single episode talking about what we could do with Simonis when he seems like the most likely guy, most likely guy to be kept. But anyway. I'm going to get off that soapbox, move on here. Next question from Tony Shoup. He said, did the win against the Warriors prove that we should move on from the veteran core and acquire young talent and draft picks? Which veteran guys should stay? Does Malcolm get traded in the offseason? Who are the most must-keep uh, must guys outside of Duarte and Jackson? A lot of stuff here from Tony. A lot of stuff. All right. Uh, my man, Tony, appreciate you. Um, one game shouldn't swing a franchise, but – Man, that win over the Warriors, it was an eye-opening experience. It was some of the most fun I've had this season in what's been a a dark year, that to see the guys at the end of the bench have that much talent and being that, what feels like criminally underutilized, uh, it was evident that these guys got to play more. It looked like they were having fun, pulled off a massive win on the road against a really good Warriors team. Um, So, It had me thinking that Goga and Isaiah, they showed enough that they cannot be riding the bench. So I do think that this this has to have the Pacers strongly considering breaking up Turbonis at this point. Um, I think in terms of guys that you keep, you got to keep Sabonis at this point. You have to. I think think he's the hub that makes a lot of of the offense. Yeah, exactly. Guilty. Uh, Call like it is, whatever it is. Um, But look, at that point, Brogdon, you know he's not going anywhere. I think Levert and Turner should be the two that are moved. I think you try and move Jeremy Lamb just to move him, even if it's just to tell you the truth, you know, buying him out, trading for some second round picks, whatever you got to do to open up as much playing time for everyone. All, All the guys at the end of the bench, I think the second half of the year should be dedicated to getting them more run, getting Gogan, Isaiah, you know, really in there. And then at that point, like, it, it basically, it showed that there's talent on this team. There really is, but they were not being played. Yeah. Now, I'll answer this in order here real quick, Fachi, just so we don't uh, spend too, too much time about uh, answering all these questions and getting deep into them. But, you know, in, in terms of acquiring young talent and draft picks, I think that is the way to look at it because I don't really know what else is going to be available to you. Um, I think you need to get players that just help you win for the next season, not necessarily for this season. So kind of making a swing for some of those players would make sense. And of course, draft picks are always coveted by fans, but you know, Herb Simon doesn't really seem to love draft picks as much as the fans do. Um, Which veteran guy should stay? I'm going to be a homer here as well. I'm going to say Sabonis. And unfortunately, (laughs) you know, because of the extension, Brogdon's not eligible to be traded, so he's going to stay. Um, there's obviously um, some question marks if he gets moved in the offseason. I know you did ask that question next. So I don't think he'll get traded in the offseason unless they they find a point guard out there that they either A, draft and, and feel like Malcolm's not the right guy to play next to him, or if they feel like there's another player out there that could be an upgrade over Malcolm. But um, veteran guys that should stay, I, I think that you got to keep 
Um, you got to keep TJ McConnell at this point. I think Lance, honestly, um, if he can come back on a cheap contract, just what he brings to the table, I think he's someone you should keep, especially with how much of a connection he has with the fan base. And then lastly here, who are the most keep guys, um, must most must keep guys outside of Duarte and Jackson. Um, I think it's O'Shea Brissett, and I'm not going to get into like the veterans, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you mean young players here. But other than that, I mean, Goga, if you want to keep him, sure. If not, I'm fine with moving on from him. Good player, uh, good backup player, not great. But, yeah, I, I think with more time, sure, Goga would be fine. But, um, yeah, I, I think I would just probably prioritize O'Shea said at that point with uh, the young players. But moving on now, Fachi, to our next question. This comes from uh, – I don't really know how to say your last name, so I apologize or your first name, but it's uh, Bilal, uh, yep. at cbilal 10 they said, do you think Duarte and Jackson could become the face of the franchise? Just love to see these young guys on the court. Thanks for these great podcasts. Hey, I'm just as excited as you are. I would love to see Duarte and Jackson maybe at least grow into cornerstones of the franchise. Like those, those starters that you know, hey, we're building something over here. I think Duarte definitely has the edge over there because I truly think he could develop into being like an 18 to 20 point per game score in this league if given the opportunity. Duarte is is scoring 20 points, what feels like left and right lately. And to be honest, it, it's at a point where we're not surprised because he started his NBA career scoring 27 points in opening night, but he could be potentially the face of this team in a few years if he continues to get better. I, I like the idea of having like Duarte, Sabonis, Isaiah Jackson, whichever top five to eight pick we get this year. Like those are all really good pieces here. So uh, I really hope that they can be cornerstones, if not the face of the franchise. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I don't think I can envision Duarte or Jackson just being like the face of the franchise. Like I think obviously Duarte has more upside at this point in terms of him being that wing type of player. Like, look, if you're getting – some, you know, some knockoff version of Clay Thompson with Duarte. Like, I know that's kind of been one of the comparisons. If you're getting a Clay Thompson, like, you know, Clay Thompson's really good, but he's not who he is without a step, without a Draymond. So I think that, you know, Clay is a cornerstone of that Warriors team. And I think that's kind of how I would envision Duarte. Um, I, I think, honestly, the face of the franchise might be this year's draft pick if they get in the top three, top five. You know what I'm saying? Just getting that next guy that could hopefully take this team to the next level. But yeah, I mean, they're they're both fun to watch and I'm really excited to see them grow. But, you know, I want to say thank you very much for the nice uh, the nice comment here. I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast and I'm glad we can bring these episodes to you, you know, almost daily now with how much content we're getting with these questions. But let's move on to our next question. This comes from Matthew Peck at L Peckbo. If you can only spend minutes the rest of the season on one developmental big between the three of O'Shea said Isaiah Jackson or Gogo Batadze, who do you choose and why? Pretty pretty tough right over here. I, my, my heart wants to say Isaiah Jackson because I think he's got the most talent. But my brain says, hey, if we can just get the full, all the answers we need from Goga this year, I think it would go a long way. So Goga in year three and a half at this point, if we could fully determine what he is and then if, if he has enough value to be traded or to keep him, I think that would be the, the biggest win because – Isaiah Jackson, we didn't expect that much out of him this year. He's already shown more than we hoped, I think, on draft night. So, uh, Eileen, Goga, Isaiah, O'Shea. I'm going to flip him with you. I'm going Isaiah Jackson here, and here's why. This is a lost season, Fachi. 
It is. So I would rather develop a guy that's going to be here long-term in a losing season and allow him to have these growing pains than to, you know, d- develop a guy that's in year three that might not be part of my long-term future. Um, there's potential that Isaiah Jackson could be a starter, right? So that's kind of like the hope, like, hey, if he can develop a three-point shot and play above the rim and play next to Doma, it's like, okay, cool. And then if he can switch on to guards and play some small ball five at time two, at times two, you know, that's like, okay, man, we're really hitting something here. So I think that with how much potential is between these three players, Isaiah Jackson's potential is the highest. In a losing season, you have what, about 25, 30-something games left? I can't even keep uh, track now of where we're at, but I would say maybe mid-30s, right? Something along those lines. And if you can let Isaiah Jackson just play without worrying about him getting in foul trouble or you know him messing up or him not running the offense correctly every time or, or making bad screens, that kind of thing. Like These are all things I feel like would be great for him to learn in a year where basically it feels like there's uh, there's no reason to try and win. You know what I'm saying, Fudge? I, I do. I do. That's why I'm saying my heart says Isaiah because it would be the most fun. He would show the most. But it's like if Goga can't get some full-on playing time in, in a really, really down year, in year three, then you got to just move on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question comes from Ethan Hot at High Pitch Palette. Are we sure Jackson's ceiling isn't just another Kenneth Fareed? And is that a pretty good ceiling for him? Look, I used to be a Kenneth Fareed guy. All right, so I think maybe like there might be some like 
similarities in appearance. Um, but I, I think in terms of being on the court, we're talking about Isaiah Jackson has a much higher ceiling, far more talented, much higher recruit who went to Kentucky. Fareed went to Moorhead State. Uh, Isaiah is a much better defender as he was an all SEC defender, much better shot blocker. He's 6'10 compared to Fareed being 6'8. And I think he's just far more athletic. Fareed was a beast on the boards, but Isaiah has also shown far more potential that he can develop into a three-point shooter. We saw it in the summer league. We saw it in the G League. He recently went, uh, actually it was five for five from three in the G League a couple weeks ago. When I looked at it, Ken Freed only had 10 made threes in his whole NBA career. So give me Isaiah Jackson all day. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think Kenneth Freed is necessarily the, the defender that Isaiah Jackson no. has a potential to be either. Like Kenneth Freed could block shots and rebound the basketball, but I don't really feel like he was as great of a uh, defender in terms of switching out and guarding guards and that kind of thing and recovering. I actually saw Kenneth Freed live and I was like four rows up at this game. And they're playing the David West, Roy Hibbert Pacers era, right? And I, I will never forget how huge he looked. I think he looks a lot stockier um, than Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson has more of a thin frame. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, Kenneth Freed was a starter on a playoff team, right? I mean, that's that's not necessarily saying a bad thing for him, but he did fall out of the league rather quickly. So um, I definitely think that I would agree with you, Fachi, that Jackson's ceiling is much higher. Um, but let's move on to our next question. This comes from DJ Davis. Thanks again for sending in a question, DJ. We really appreciate it. He said, will the Pacers start Duarte the rest of the year? And why not play Isaiah Jackson and Goga some of the bench each game? Is the goal to burn out Sabonis tires by playing him so much? I Look, I hope and I feel that they should start Chris Duarte for the rest of the year. And even if that comes at the expense of, you know, say like a Justin Holiday or, or or someone needs to move to the bench. I feel like Duarte has just shown that look, the, the keys could be his. You know, look, it's still Sabonis's team short term, but Duarte is too good to be on the bench right now. And I know that Lavert's kind of that guy that if Lavert's still there, he's going to be starting. They're not going to move him to the bench. I think that would hurt Lavert's trade value. But once you trade Lavert, Chris Duarte has to start every single game. I, I truly believe it. Uh, this is, and this is also while Brogdon's out right now. So you put Brogdon and, and Levert in there. I feel like Duarte probably goes back to the bench, but he shouldn't. Isaiah Jackson really should be getting more playing time. It's going to be hard to get him playing time if Turner and Sabonis are still there and you're trying to get go with some time. Isaiah Jackson trying to also get him some time. It'll turn into just a handful of minutes, which really isn't beneficial to anybody. Sure, it's better than nothing. And then lastly, Sabonis, I feel like when he's healthy, he does play too much minutes. It's just always been the case. He's someone who doesn't like to come out of the game. So uh, it's going to be tough, but that's what happens when you have to get rid of one of these bigs. I don't think it's necessarily that he doesn't want to come out. I mean, sure, yes, I do agree. Like, no player really wants to come out of a game. But, like, the wear and tear that he puts on his body every season is just because it's he's been a necessity for them to win games. I mean, that's just kind of been how it's been for the last couple of years, right? Like, if Sabonis is not in the game, a lot of times the offense gets incredibly stagnant and they can't find that same rhythm offensively. And, you know, I, I think that Sabonis, too, it, he's just uh, almost uh, automatic when it comes to securing a tough rebound. And in those crunch moments, you're going to need those those kind of rebounds. So that is why I think he plays so much. And, and he really is just like, it's a, it's a need. The Pacers need him to play that many minutes for them to be successful. So um, I think they need to do a better job of getting talent around him where he doesn't have to play as many minutes. So that's for sure. But, you know, Duarte, I, 
I've gone back and forth with this. I, I would prefer that he starts. Don't get me wrong. But with that being said, right now, up until the trade deadline, start Craig, start Holiday, start Levert, start these guys that you're looking at maybe wanting to move. And give, give, I, uh, give our guys, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, those young players, the time that they can when there's opportunities. I think that Goga, uh, if Sabonis is healthy, I would actually prefer to see Goga and Isaiah Jackson because I want to see Isaiah Jackson play the four. I want to see what he looks like in that position because when we saw the we saw the draft pick happen, we're all just like, okay, why are we drafting a, yet again another center? And, we, and it came back as, well, no, we think he can guard positions one through five. He's a four. Well, I want to see him play it. All he's ever played is a solo big. So put him next to Goga. Let him play like 10 minutes a game together, and let's see what we got because Goga can spread the floor. Even if he doesn't hit the shot all the time, he's still willing to take those. And I think you might be able to find some different things there, Fudge. But I don't know if you agree with me on that, but that's kind of how I would like to see it happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do. I want to be experimenting because I don't think that Isaiah Jackson's just going to solely play the five for us. So you, you, I don't think the Pacers drafted him to do that when you already had just a, a boatload of bigs on this team. So I'm with you right there. Yeah, I would love to see him and Domas play together just a little bit. I mean, Obviously, I think the goal is for Isaiah Jackson to be more of a three-point shooter. I think Sabonis has improved this season under Carlisle as a three-point shooter, and it'll be something of emphasis as he continues to grow as a player. But, you know, I think if Isaiah Jackson can start hitting that consistently with his lob threat ability, my, oh, my, watch out. But let's move on. Christopher Lloyd has a question. He said, if the Pacers actually beat the Suns, which they already did, um, how does that affect the thinking on trades? So with that uh, loss, they didn't beat the Suns, excuse me, the loss against the Suns, um, you know, they beat the Warriors, but do you, uh, do you think this, any of these results of these games has any effect on the trades, Fudge? No, look, if they beat the Suns, it would have been like weird. Cause then it would have been like, wait a minute, the Pacers just turned around, beat the Lakers, beat the Warriors, beat the Suns all on the road. Like what's happening right now. But you saw that, you know, they, they shut down Brogdon for like 10 more days. Sabonis is still out for a bit. Turner's still out. They brought back Levert. So they're kind of just in that limbo limbo stage. I feel like something is going to happen at the deadline. I'm sure we're all hopeful that something does. But this team does need to get a few guys kind of out of town and, and kind of invest, take a look into what you have on the bench or for years to come. So I, I think the direction of resting guys shows that, hey, this season's not going the way that we want it. TJ Warren's probably not coming back really you know, anytime soon. So let's not try and push forward with a, you know, making a deal to make that playoff push now. Let's maybe be sellers a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that it's, I don't think any of the results up into the deadline are going to affect what's happening. Obviously, this team is trying to develop young players. They're trying to maybe showcase some of the guys that they want to move on from a little bit more. That's why you're seeing an uptick in minutes probably for Jeremy Lamb instead of Lance Stevenson getting those minutes. Same with Tory Craig, same with Justin Holiday. same with, Karis LeVert, you know, I, I don't think it's going to have much of an impact at all um, as we as we approach the deadline. So um, moving into our next question, this comes from D. Ray um, at DX Ray X. He said, with the deadline less than two weeks away, do we fear, uh, do you fear we get good players in return, win a few in a row and fall from the fifth pick and miss out on a really good player in the draft, but still miss the playing tournament? I don't fear getting good players at all. Look, if we get good players, then that's great for, for the future. Like, it depends who those players are. If we just make some trades and they're not great players and then we happen to win some games, 
then that's the worst case scenario. But if you get some good players that you could actually build around, like say the Pacers were to get, you know, like a, an Isaac Okoro or PJ Washington or some type of recent lottery pick and we fell down two spots, I, I wouldn't be mad. I mean, we're still going to be picking better than, than what we picked in the last 30 plus years. So are the Pacers going to get the number one pick? Not likely. They're not. If the Pacers get a, a top eight pick, would you be happy with it? I would. So yeah. I would just say if the return's good enough, we lose two spots, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, I understand the logic here uh, for sure because this is a draft that I think kind of dips after the top five now, yeah. especially if Shaden Sharp is available. If Shaden Sharp does not enter the draft, which has been the talk around Kentucky right now as he has not uh, hinted at all that he will be going into the draft, but you never know. People say that all the time. Um, Jay Nivey, Chet Holmgren. We've talked about all these guys. Jabari Davis. Um, is it Jabari, Jabari Smith? Excuse me. I can't yeah. remember his name. Jabari, Jabari Smith. Excuse me. Jabari Davis is our friend on Twitter. That's exactly. Yep. This is my bad. Uh, shout out Jabari Davis. But uh, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, like Paulo Banchero. So all those guys are the top four. But there's still good talent in the top eight, top ten. I, I know that there's a drop off from four to five, whatever you want to call it. But I still believe in some of the talent in this draft. And I think a lot of times you'll find this to be true, Foch, too. When it seems like there's a really top-heavy draft, still some of these players that get drafted later do pan out. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but if you're in the top 10, once again, that's just really helping your franchise get a player that's going to be more talented with a chance to be good. And then, of course, um, when you get good players back in return, I think the biggest thing there, Fachi, is you get a little bit more of an idea of you know what you're getting back, Right instead of the draft where you're guessing on what they could be, you're not projecting as much. So I, I think that if you're thinking of more of like netting the safe return, that would be getting good players and a trade instead of, you know, ultimately getting into a top pick. And then all of a sudden that person becomes a bust. So I, I think um, the hope is that they're not a bust, but you get what I'm saying, right? Fletch, where yeah. the return could be easier to evaluate knowing that they're good players. Exactly, exactly. And there's a ton of young players out there. Like, for instance, I mentioned Isaac Okoro, but Okoro was just the fifth overall pick recently. Yeah. So, I mean, there's good talent out there that have had a couple of years to develop that, you know, could be more of a sure thing while still giving us a good pick. So I'm excited. If the trade package doesn't work out too well, then then look, that, that's a whole nother thing. But for now, we can't control that. So uh, all we control is keep racking up these L's and hopefully being sellers at the deadline. Let's move on to our next question. Once again, Pacer faithful sends in another question for us. History tells us if, when the Pacers make a move, it will be lower profile and not prevalent in the rumor mill. Give your ideas of realistic trades that fall under this criteria. Here is mine. He has Gary Trent in a 2022 uh, first round pick top eight protected from the Raptors from miles Turner. First off, Gary Trent Jr. is a good player. I don't know if he's available or not. But, um, yeah, look, I'm not expecting the, you know, Bradley Beal or, like, you know, one of those guys. Like, look, they're not coming to Indiana. Not, not next month. Probably not next year. Maybe not ever. But here's the thing. There could be some good talent out there. I don't want to sound like a broken record because I literally just mentioned Isaac Okoro last uh, answer. But guy like Okoro – Colin Sexton, we know the Cavs are interested in Levert. So there could be a good young player right over there that you're talking about a former top 10 pick in either of them that could be moved for Levert. I think that's a win. Charlotte, we do know that we've heard teams that are dropping out 
of the Miles Turner sweepstakes. Charlotte seems like they're still potentially in it, calling around. I would not be disappointed with a PJ Washington and, and you know another salary filler for Miles Turner. So something like that, I think, is more realistic. Where we might not hit a, necessarily a home run, but those are both hitting solid doubles right there. I would say, if not a triple. Yeah, I mean, I'll throw one out here just for like the heck of it because I have nothing else to lose, right? Um, what about a trade with the Portland Trailblazers and? In this deal, you're probably going to get back um, Norman Powell. And it's not like, okay, why do we need another tweener guard, right? But, you know, Norman Powell has just signed an extension on a relatively affordable deal around that 15, 16 million. And you trade Miles Turner for him. You also get back um, Nasir Little in that deal. So it's kind of like, okay, that's a little bit surprising. You're getting Little and Powell back for Turner. But I think the long-term goal here for the Blazers is to kind of like, Reset this season, let Dame heal up, and then you move forward with what could be a, a soft rebuild in, in terms for Portland getting a top draft pick. I know they owe some of their draft picks to the Rockets and the Robert Covington deal, and they owe some other picks. I think they owe one, they gave one to the Bulls and the Larry Nance trade and all that stuff. So they don't have a ton of draft capital to really go out there and look at stuff like that. Another team I was looking at is like maybe you send Turner and possibly. Tory Craig to the Kings for Buddy Heald and some kind of salary filler with a pick. I mean, that's that's something that could be under the radar. That's not being talked about a lot because why would the Pacers need Buddy Heald at this point? But just something along those lines because that's a good young player, even though Buddy Heald's, what, 28, 29, something like that. So um, I don't really have a great example for this, but that's the best I'd come up with, Flatch. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know if Portland does that trade, but if you have an opportunity to get Norman Powell and Nazir Little, for Turner, I think that that's a really good move. Look, Powell's a good player. He yeah. really is. Um, and then I believe in Nazir Little. I, I think that he's taking a slower approach. It wasn't maybe, you know, who everyone thought he might have been in college as well as, you know, his, his first year or two in the NBA. But he's starting to come around this year. So I think something like that would be a, a trade that, you know, it's not going to make a huge splash. It's not going to be front page of ESPN.com, uh, but it would be exciting for the Pacers. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's it's tough because I don't I didn't really think of any fake trades before we recorded this episode. I've thought of so many that it's like my brain starting to hurt and I'm kind of forgetting everything that I've said already. So <laughs> that's where I'm at, Flatch. So I need to just sit down and think about it, you know. But right now, I don't really know if there's like a team that could be like a sleeper pick or a a sleeper team for like a Miles Turner, you know what I'm saying? Like a team that's like willing to invest in him and give up something. Uh, I just can't really think of anything right now. So uh, maybe I'll get back to that later next week. But uh, let's move on to our next question. This comes from Ed Lolly. He said, here's a mailbag question. If Duarte is our Reggie Miller and Ijax is our Dale Davis, then who will be our Jalen Rose, Mark Jackson, and Rick Smiths? I, I guess I have to say Jalen Rose is like uh, Karis LeVert. Um, but I think he's talking about if we move on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, unless you're, unless you're, on, then you might not be on the roster. That's what I'm I mean, saying. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I would assume he means by like these two guys being like the young future of the team. But if you want to go off the current roster, you can do that. Yeah. Too. I, I, yeah. I'd have to do that because I have no idea what trade package <laughs> we're, we're going to get back. But like, yeah, I, I would say for right now, Brogdon would have to be like a Mark Jackson, uh, more of like that, that veteran point guard type. Um, Lavert as like a Jalen Rose, like a, a combo guard type of situation where you can handle the ball. You could also play off of it. And then um, 
for Rick Smiths, I mean, uh, I guess, I guess Miles Turner, like, and instead of Sabonis, I don't really see him as a Sabonis, but the game's <laughs> changed a lot. Yeah, no, that's a, I don't really see, uh, I think, I think, honestly, I think Sabonis is more Dell Davis like in terms of their game because they're not known for being great shooters, but, you know, they're, they're great at rebounding and great at with their back to the basket. But then again, Dell Davis was a great shot blocker. And, I don't think Domas is that. So, no. you know, I, I guess Isaiah Jackson might be the best comparison for Del Davis. He just needs to bulk up quite a bit. And Duarte for Reggie Miller, um, I like that comparison. Um, you know, I'll try to go a little bit off the wall here, Fachi, and do a little bit more like projecting who they could get back in return. So Jalen Rose, he was, a you know, a point forward, so to say, yeah, at this yeah. point. You know, because there was times when he ran point guard, actually, but he was more of a uh, – of a wing, I'm going to say Gordon Hayward um, for Jalen Rose. If the Pacers were to make a trade for Gordon Hayward, I could see that being our Jalen Rose um, to go with that. Um, in terms of Mark Jackson, yeah, I don't really think that uh, Brogdon is a perfect comparison to Mark Jackson. Uh, so this would definitely have to be a draft pick <laughs> if yeah, I'm looking at, if at the future. So, yeah, for Mark Jackson, I'm going to just go out and be like Ty Ty Washington. You know what I'm saying? Like, Somebody like that because, you know, he's more of a, a, a guy that can score when he needs to, but he's not afraid to set the offense up too. I think he had 17 assists in like his first start. Yep, yep, yep. And then I'll do another draft pick for Rick Smiths, Chet Holmgren. <laughs> uh, with, uh, I, I can see that one more, you know, more likely. <laughs> yeah, just sure. a, a tall, skinny white guy that had to put on a lot of upper body strength. You know, I don't necessarily think that – uh, that would be like, uh, if I've already going to use my draft pick on Mark Jackson, I'll go with another person in terms. I'm just going to say Sabonis uh, for this example. He is our center. That is international. He's an international player. Um, you know, obviously not the shooter that Smiths is, but definitely a back to the basket guy, a, a guy that I think fans were divided on quite a bit in his early stages of his career. And I think even though Sabonis is considered the best player on the team, we do have a lot of fans that are anti Sabonis, and um, I, I think that could be the same for Rick Smiths. Yeah, I mean, when, when you talk about Mark Jackson, it's like, look, we've been talking about so much on the show. The Pacers don't have a pure point guard like Mark Keeper Jackson. Sykes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it would it would be a crime to compare Keeper Sykes to Mark Jackson. You know, Mark Jackson, a guy who, when he retired, it was like second or third all time in assists. I mean, truly, uh, you know, a really good underrated point guard. So. You know, it, it, it was tough. It was tough to find those comparisons unless you truly look around the league. So, yeah, I guess I was looking at that question a little bit differently as to who the current players are since you named Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. But always an interesting question. So I definitely appreciate that, Ed. Yeah, we gave them a little bit of both. So you can either go with the current roster or the future of the, of the team. But let's move on here to our last question. This comes from Landry Houck via text message. He said, are the Pacers wasting Sabonis' prime? There's no other way to say it other than yes. I mean, look, <laughs> he was a two-time All-Star, and, and what did we get? Uh, a playing, uh, a playing game or a playing win, I guess. Um, and then this year, so yeah, I mean, we we wasted it. And then in the past, I mean, just uh, you know, he was hurt against Boston in the playoffs. Unfortunately, nothing we could do there. Uh, it just it feels like he put up some really good numbers in, in a time where it didn't equate to one playoff win. So there's no other way to say we wasted it. Yeah, and unfortunately, Domas got hurt the year yeah. that they were in the bubble and they played the Heat. And yep. 
you know, I, I think Turner actually had a good series besides game one against the Heat. You know, there were some times where he was looking pretty, pretty well uh, polished out there for the, for the solo center minutes. But, you know, with that being said, Miami was just too big of a challenge for that Pacers team. Um, they just had more firepower, and that Miami team made it to the NBA Finals that year and took the Lakers to six games. So it's that was a great that was a great year for the Miami Heat. And I don't think Domas being there would have impacted it too too much. Maybe they win one game in that series with Domas there, but you know we haven't talked about a playoff one in quite a while, Flachi. So you know I I think that they are to a certain extent, but he's still just entering the beginning of his prime. So. If you're able to keep him this year, if you're able to make significant trades and hit on your draft pick, then you might be, you know, might be getting the the prime Domas Sabonis that you want with some of these guys that could push for a playoff spot. So I'm not sure we're going to have to see what the roster look like looks like come next season before we I can fully say that we're wasting it. But so far, I would say, Fachi, you are correct. It has been a bit of a waste with Sabonis's prime. Yeah, I mean, we're going we're gonna to learn a lot soon because at the end of the day, you know, players want to win. So I think if the Pacers can have a, a bit of a quicker turnaround if they make the right trades, nail their pick, all of a sudden, yeah, they, they could uh, they could give Herb Simon his wish and rebuild on the fly. But at the same point, you got to win in order to say that you didn't waste someone's prime. That we have not done. Absolutely. Well, bada bing, bada boom, Fanchi, we have knocked out our three-part mailbag podcast series. So thank you, everybody, for sending in questions. We do truly appreciate it. If you haven't already, make sure you give us a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating over on Spotify. But Fachi, where can the people find us at on social media? All right, so you can find us on uh, Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. You can find me on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if you're excited to see the development continue for both Isaiah Jackson and Christy Warte, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Peace out, Pacer Nation. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.